Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. Today's podcast is episode number 52, which means, yes, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary here at the Athletics of Business podcast, and I want to take a second to say a genuine, heartfelt thank you to all of our amazing guests, as well as you, the listeners, in 20 countries. We appreciate the likes, we appreciate the comments, and we especially appreciate your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Please keep those coming. I have a feeling the way things looked at our fun here at the Athletics of Business podcast is just getting started. Before we jump into the content of today's solo cast episode, which I'm really excited to do, I love what we're going to talk about. I, I think you're going to enjoy this episode because I'm going to dive into some of the work I do with my clients on a, a weekly, heck of daily basis wrapped around shifting that management mindset to a coaching mindset. But first, I want to say thank you to everybody who's taken the time to email me questions, thoughts, ideas, whatever it may be. I want to say thank you. And if for some reason I have not gotten back to you or replied to your email, first of all, shame on me. Second of all, I don't know if that's possible because I'm a thousand percent certain that I have. But if I haven't, please, please send me another email and say, hey, knucklehead, here is my question. Here is my thought. Here is my idea. And I will, I will get back to you immediately. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into our content today. And as you know, if you have listened to the Athletics of Business podcast before, um, I've been blessed. I have been blessed to be surrounded by amazing coaches my entire life. And as my playing career evolved into my coaching career, I became very intentional about looking back on the habits, traits, and behaviors of those whom I consider to be a great coach and not just the ones that I knew personally, whether it be through my dad or, or coaches that I played against in college or got to know at coaches clinics or at final fours, but also the coaches who influenced them. Doing that helped me to define success and what it looked like to me as a college coach, uh, as well as shape my coaching philosophy um, and my style in the way I communicated with guys on the staff I was on and with the players. I guess you could say really growing up a coach's son and, and being around coaches all the time with it just being a way of life. I, I have, and there's no guess about it. I've had a lifetime of studying these coaches and, and it taught me many things about what make the great coaches great. And, and some of the things that I've written down over the years and I have up in my office or I have in my journal or are just things from memory. I want to share with you before we really get into the content. Great coaches, the great coaches consistently get the most out of their players, but in the business world, we'll talk about their people, right? Great coaches consistently get the most out of their people because they invest the most into their people. I mentioned uh, in a previous solo cast, um, one of the things with Coach B that he had this ability to see things in players that they may not have been able to see in themselves. And I think that speaks to great coaches. Great coaches have the ability to see things in others that they may not see in themselves. They believe in their people, want them to succeed, and are committed to helping each team member reach their potential. 
I want to read that again. Great coaches have the ability to see things in others that they may not see in themselves. They believe in their people, want them to succeed, and are committed to helping each team member reach their potential. And I want to stress each team member because they understand the value of everybody from their superstar to the person at the proverbial end of the bench. All right. Now, here's the most important thing that, that I have learned, and it took me a little bit of time to understand this because to me, it just was a way of life. But the most important thing I've learned, and this is critical as we, we think about this in the business world, as we make the shift from the manager mindset to a coaching mindset, is that, that this, as, as a manager, coaching is not something you do. A coach is something you become. You think about that. Like, I've talked to clients before and I say, hey, how's your day look? Well, you know what? I've got this going on and I've got these means, but I've got to carve some time up. I really think I need to do some coaching. I mean, the great coaches, the managers that make that shift to the coaching mindset from the minute you wake up to the minute you put your head down on your pillow at night, that's what you are. You're a coach because you truly don't know when a teaching moment, when a coaching moment is going to pop up. It honestly, it could be before the, your, your workday starts. It could pop up in a text from, from one of your people at the office. It could be a late night voicemail or email that you didn't see or notice until the beginning of the day. So from the moment you wake up to the moment you put your head down, you're a coach. So you develop the, the traits, behaviors, and skill sets of elite coaches. On episode number 44, we talked about why it is so critical for managers to start thinking, behaving, and executing like a coach. And today, I want to pick up that conversation and share with you the cornerstone for every great coaching relationship, what it will do for you, what it will do for your team. And I want to talk to you about how you create that cornerstone. And this is work that I do do with my clients on a weekly, and as I said, even a daily basis. Now, what do I mean by cornerstone? Well, in a masonry foundation, the cornerstone is the very first stone laid on the foundation, the stone that orients the building. The alignment of the cornerstone gives the entire building its proper dimension and alignment, and the other stones are set in reference to it. Now, if you are sitting there right now and say, God, it really sounds like Ed read that. Well, it's because I did, because it's a little bit on the academic side for me. And, but I wanted, to, I wanted to make a point because you think about it, it is, it is the very foundation that everything else lines up with. If that cornerstone is out of balance, if it's out of whack, if it's not where it needs to be, then it messes with everything else. Okay. So what is the cornerstone of a coaching relationship? And I think once I say this and we talk through all this, it's going to be rather obvious it's not going to be a huge aha moment. It may be, but the cornerstone of the coaching relationship is trust. As a matter of fact, when you think about it, trust is the most important currency in any relationship, whether it be a friendship, whether it be romantic, uh, family, uh, or professional. But a high level of trust enables you to establish expectations, uh, continually coach, and to establish accountability at an elite level. Now, those three things I just mentioned are going to pop up in future solo casts because what are those? Those are really the three requirements of coaching. Now, when you gain the trust of your people, they're going to feel safe and they're going to make themselves more vulnerable to you. 
When I take a step back and I really think about the great coaches I've had in my life, and I mean, I'm going back to, to grade school, right, at St. James or even in the HYBA or let off travelers, and I'm not talking just basketball, I'm talking Little League, I'm talking football, but when, regardless, and then, and then in high school and in college, when I think back to the best coaches I had, the ones who had the biggest impact, positive impact, not negative impact, but positive impact in my life, whether it being in the athletic world, as I mentioned, or in the business world, because I have had some unbelievable coaches in the business world, both formally and, and informally. Here's the thing. I knew I could go to them with anything. I literally could walk into their office. I had that feeling of safety. I could walk into their office, shut the door, and open up to them. It could be positive. It could be what someone view as negative. It could be a challenge. It could be adversity. I could be confused. I could be working through something. But here's the thing. Because of the level of trust that they had developed with me and I had developed with them, because remember, leadership is a reciprocal thing, right? Yes, I have to be able to, or yes, your people have to be able to trust you, but you have to be able to trust your people as well. All right, but, but let's go back to me right now. I knew that they believed in me and they were going to listen. Think about how significant of a statement is. I believe that I, I knew that they believed in me and that they were going to listen. Now, here's what else I knew. And this is why sometimes there's a little bit of hesitancy for people to go to you, right? Or, or people to go to their, to their managers, to their leaders. I knew they would push me. I knew they would challenge me. But then I knew they would encourage me and I knew they'd inspire me. I knew they'd hold me accountable and the great coaches would absolutely, without any hesitation, tell me what I needed to hear. So I knew they believed in me, right? They're going to listen. And I knew they would push me, challenge me, encourage and inspire me, hold me accountable and tell me what I needed to hear. Trust me when I say this. That doesn't mean things were always sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. We had our differences. I think back to some of the athletic coaches I had, we, we had significant differences. But you know what? At the end of the day, we would run through a wall for each other. Absolutely. You know, when, when, when some of these people are popping in my head and they, if they would ask me to run through a wall, I would have said, how fast and how many times? Why? Because I had an unshakable trust in them, and that made all the difference in the world. I mean, I'm talking about people that influence me in a way that will stay with me the rest of my life. And, and you, as a leader, as a manager, developing the coach's mindset, right? Shifting the way you think and the way you act and the way you behave and, have, and becoming a coach and that becoming a way of life. You have that opportunity to influence people in a way that will stay with them the rest of their life. It's not just about making metrics or hitting metrics. It's not about just making uh, their numbers, okay? It's about the impact you have on them. Because really, at the end of the day, you, you know, in previous podcasts, I've talked about resume uh, virtues versus eulogy virtues. But at the end of the day, what it's all about is who we become and who you help people become. So what I want to talk to you about today is how we develop trust. I could really take the easy way out and refer you back to some previous podcasts and some of my content that I've written. And I could say the easy answer is to lead authentically every single day. But here's what I want to do. I want to break it down and I want to go deeper. And I want to give you some really good things to think about as well as take back to your team that can help you grow and they'll help your, your team grow. 
Now, the first thing you need in order to develop trust is to be honest. When you tell your people that you are going to do something, then do it. When you tell your people you're going to do something, then do it. Okay. Authentic leaders have the ability to be brutally honest. And you've heard me say this time and again, say it before, but I'm going to say it. Authentic leaders have the ability to be brutally honest with all stakeholders as they communicate the reality of the situation, whatever the situation may be. It can be quite positive. It can be quite challenging. It can be quite daunting. But your people are going to know, since they can trust you because of your honesty, that they're getting the whole truth. All right. People are going to forgive a skill gap. I want you to think about this, okay? Because in a minute here, we're going to talk about vulnerability. People will forgive a skill gap, a knowledge gap in certain situations, but they are never going to violate their coach, their leader, violating their trust. That's one thing they're not going to accept and they're not going to tolerate. And, and trust all starts with honesty. Now, the second thing you need is to operate with integrity. And I know this sounds very familiar when you think about my definition of authenticity, but we're going to go even deeper than that. Like I said, second thing you need to do is to operate with integrity. In other words, your behaviors and execution are aligned with your stated values and beliefs. It is really easy to fall prey to an integrity gap when we are experiencing adversity. We might take shortcuts or participate in unethical behavior. And it's also easy to fall prey to an integrity gap when we're experiencing success where we are prone to blind spots. Next, people trust the coach who has a proven ability to do the job and do it well. In other words, they, they have the passion. I, mean, I think that's the, the first thing is, is if you don't exude the passion and the sincere desire to help people grow and, and to improve, then I don't think there's ever going to be a very strong coaching relationship. It's almost you're going to be having that posture like I have to do this as opposed to I get to do this. You know, I think back to the great coaches I had, the ones who positively impacted my life, and I look forward to seeing them every day, okay? But we'll trust a coach who, who had the passion, they had the talent, they had the skills, the power, and, and here's, here's another one, the diligence to help them grow. And, you know, it's, and this is going to pop up again, but it's not just about when you're in the mood to do it right? It's not just like you, you don't turn it on and off like a faucet. The fourth one, and this is so key, and this is something that when you start talking about empathy, sincere empathy, and you talk about um, authenticity, you talk about really caring about your people, not just the outcomes, but caring about your people. The fourth thing you need is discretion. You know, the more adversity you go through, the more struggle you go through with people, the closer you become and the tighter your bond is. It's just, a, it's just a, the way it works. And, and when you have discretion, this allows a coach to, to know everything that is going on. Because as a, as a coach, as a leader, you need as much information about your people as you can possibly have. So you really understand what makes them tick. You understand how they respond in certain situations. You know how to leverage your strengths and how to shore up their weaknesses. Um, you can expect the day-to-day -day what, what it's going to bring. But here's the other thing discretion does. His or her, you, you, your people are going to know that you honor their privacy. There's, there's a lot of things that can come to mind, but, 
but I've, I've had some things happen to me where players came in and shut the door and confided in me something that was going on at home, you know, something that was going on in their personal life. Somebody was sick. Somebody got in trouble. Um, somebody bailed on somebody. Um, they were in trouble. But, the, but a coach, when, when you have discretion, that just strengthens that trust and the ability for people, your people to come to you with anything. Okay, and that goes back to having an impact that's going to last the rest of their lives. Another, another way, and we talk about this a lot, and it's not just on my solo cast, but on episodes with some phenomenal guests, you need to make yourself vulnerable. Okay, you have to have that ability to ask for help and to admit that you do not, do not have the answer. See, being, being the leader, being the boss, being the executive it's not necessarily about having all the answers, but it's the ability to, to humbly find a solution, come up with a solution, okay? So again, making yourself vulnerable is the ability to ask for help and to admit you do not have the answer, but want, need input to get the answer. And when you do this, you're doing three things. The person that you ask for help from, or you ask for advice from, or you ask for input from, you're gonna do three things. A you're going to show that you respect them. Okay. B, you're going to show that you respect their, their, their skills, their experiences. And the third thing you're going to do is you're going to show that you trust them. Okay. Because you are making yourself vulnerable to them and you are opening up to them. So that's going to strengthen trust. And finally, and here, here's one that I spoke to a little bit about before when we were talking about, um, the passion and the talent, the skills and how you can't turn it on and off, but you need to be consistent. Your people need to know what to expect from you on a daily basis. Your, your coaching style and your coaching philosophy and the way you communicate and the way you positively uh, impact people and the energy you bring every single day as their coach, okay, it can't be a reflection of what's going on in your personal life. It just, it, it just can't be. You have to be the face that your team needs. You have to be the face that the individual you're working with needs. And you have to be, you have to be consistent regardless of the circumstances. And, and, and the level of trust you can build when the people can predict what they can expect of you is phenomenal. Now, when you do these five things, you're going to develop a rapport, a sense of comfort and protection for your people. Now, again, I've said this before, but it doesn't mean you're always going to agree. And here's the really cool thing. Okay. And here's really the powerful thing. Forget cool. Here's a powerful thing about this. It makes it easier and more productive to disagree. Think about that. The more you trust each other, the easier it is to disagree. Okay. A, because you have both, you know, you have each other's best interest. You're in this together. You're not going to let the other one fail. You have each other's back. You'd run through a wall for the person. We've established all these things. You can go to each other with anything, right? And you realize that the whole, the whole reason that you're disagreeing is you're trying to collaborate and come up with a solution. You're trying to, you're trying to answer uh, um, a question. You're trying to resolve an issue. You go back to your culture of a singleness of purpose. And each and every day, you come to work with a shared purpose, with a shared mission, right? A singleness of purpose. So when you trust each other, it makes it easier to disagree. So as we talked about this, hopefully it becomes very crystal clear that trust is the first thing you need to create for any relationship, especially your coaching relationship, to be meaningful and successful. 
Now, one of the best books I've read all year, I absolutely love this book. Okay. And it's one of the, one of the better books I, I, I've, I've ever read. And it's, it's the trillion dollar coach. And inside of that book, it points out a 2000 study from Cornell University, which discusses the correlation between task conflict, disagreements about decisions, and relationship conflict, which would be emotional conflict uh, on teams, okay, within teams. Now, task conflict is healthy. And not only that, it's, it's vital. It's important to get to the best decisions but it is also highly correlated with relationship conflict and relationship conflict is it can lead to poor decisions and morale. So in order to get rid of the relationship conflict, you've got to de de, you know, develop that incredible sense of trust. So what do you do? You build trust first. That's what the study tells us, build trust first. And here's what I like that the study says. Teams that trust each other will still have disagreements, but when they do, it'll be accompanied by less emotional rancor. Now, that's, you know, that's very academic as it should be. It's a Cornell study, but, you know, I'll go a little bit more in my speed and my vocabulary and a little less on the academic side, but no less um, on the value side is a quote by the late great Red Auerbach, who said, when players find themselves in a situation where management has a great deal of integrity, and they can depend on my word or anybody else's word in the organization, they feel secure. And if the players feel secure, they don't want to leave here. Now, I want to go back to the start of this quote. And I want you to really think about how this relates to everything you have going on, okay? Retention, recruiting, developing talent, joy in the workplace, right? Job satisfaction for you as a leader. But think about what Red Auerbach was saying, okay? God, I wish I had the date on this in the year because it's just funny because people talk about how employees have changed and the workforce is different and now they want their job to have meaning. Oh, God forbid their job should have meaning. And, and now they want to know that they're valued and that their work is important. Is that what we always wanted? Yeah, they're different. And I've said this a million times. We're all, every, each generation is different. But, but stay with me here, okay? Listen to the late, great Red Auerbach again. When players find themselves in a situation or management has a great deal of integrity and they can depend on my word or anybody else's word in the organization, they feel secure. And if the players feel secure, they don't want to leave here. And if they don't want to leave here, they're going to do everything they can on the court to stay here. And I will add in off the court as well. Now you're probably thinking, okay, Red Auerbach, he was an NBA guy. I assure you when he said this, these guys didn't have the contract or the lifestyles or the recovery days that these cats have now. Okay. This is the real deal here. This quote. Now, what else does trust do? Trust also allows people to be themselves without fear, to get outside their comfort zone, to take chances, learn from failure, grow through adversity. And this is very significant, and this is something that I often failed that as a college basketball coach, have a boss or a coach who has the ability to correct them without resentment. Think about that. When, when you treat people as a positive coach, okay, who is truly concerned with their well-being and their growth, your people's growth, you're going to correct them in such a way that they can learn and improve and grow. 
not to let them know how disappointed or angry you are. All right, we're going to go back to another 1999 Cornell study, all right? And they call this in that study, they call this psychological safety. And in that study, they described it as a shared belief by members of a team that the team is safer, interpersonal, risk-taking. Um, I call it getting outside your comfort zone and taking calculated risk, all right? A team climate in which people are comfortable being themselves. So in that study, they described it as a shared belief held by members of a team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. A team climate in which people are comfortable being themselves. Now, let's go back to what I would call it. And as a basketball coach, I call the control freedom. And I want you to think about this, please. Take a minute and think of exactly about what I'm going to say, is how it relates to you and your team right now. I embrace the concept of controlled freedom allowing our players to leverage their strengths inside of our structured system to go make plays. I mean, that was fun, right? Leverage their strengths inside of our structured system to go make plays. How do you relate that to your team and your business world right now? It, raise, it, it would raise the level of joy your people operate with, okay? They're going to honor that trust and they're going to honor, you know, you being loyal to them with loyalty to you. And what does that mean? Okay. What does that mean? That means you're going to increase your retention rate. You're going to raise a level of talent that you attract and you're going to get not only buy-in, but you'll get believing from your people and they will be more committed to raising their game and holding their teammates accountable to do the same. And what's that going back to? That's going back to the expectations that you're going to set or that you have set and the fact that you continually coach them and the fact that you hold them accountable. And again, three requirements of coaching that we will talk about in a future solo cast. But I want to read that again, because to me, that's right there. That nails what it's all about. All right. They're going to leverage their strengths inside of a structured system and they're going to go make plays, right? That's going to raise the level of joy your people operate with. They will honor that trust and your loyalty by being loyal to you. And you will increase, how did I say this? They, you will increase your retention rate. You'll raise the level of talent you attract, and not only the level of talent, but the quality of that level of talent, okay? Not just superstars, but superstars with character that fit into your culture. And you'll get not only buy-in, but believe-in from your people, and they will be more committed to raising their game and holding their teammates accountable to do the same. Not only will greatness be unleashed, but it will become a way of life. And isn't that what we all want? Sustained excellence, sustained greatness. It just becomes a way of life. We accumulate positive habits. It becomes a standard of the way we do things around here. That's just a foundation for a sustainable culture that is worth fighting for. And why, why, why is all this happening? What's it a byproduct of? It is a byproduct of that cornerstone because the very first thing you did as a leader or leadership team was to intentionally put in place a cornerstone of trust. Now, before we wrap up this episode, and I hope, I hope you enjoyed it again, email me at ed at the group.com. Any questions, any thoughts, any insight, any ahas, just something you want to share, I would love to receive an email. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But I want to leave you, I want to leave you with the three questions that employees ask of their bosses, whether it be consciously, subconsciously. And we've all heard these, okay? But I want you to take time, and some of you may not be able to do this based on the size of your team, but pick and choose a few of the employees that maybe you're having challenges with, or, or maybe you're trying to improve the relationship, whatever it may be. But the questions they ask is, do you know me? 
do you care about me? And can I trust? Can I trust you? Those are three questions that often um, people ask about their bosses. Okay. And I want you to really take some time and think about that because increasing your level of self-awareness is so critical, so critical in being a successful leader, not just being a successful leader, but maximizing the impact that you can have on your people. Okay. So do you know me? Do you care about me? And can I, can I trust you? Man, I hope, I hope you enjoyed this solo cast. And in future episodes, we're going to keep diving into the topic of moving that management, that mindset of a manager to a coach. All we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, the requirements of coaching. We're going to talk about, I'm, I'm really excited about this one too, the, the different types of coaching conversations and how those you know, conversations look and what's the purpose they serve and what are the outcomes you're hoping to get with those uh, conversations and how you can navigate your way through them. Um, and then there's going to be a whole lot more that will help you grow as a coach, as well as help you develop your frontline managers into coaches. Okay. And I'm going to continue to share with you things that I work on with my clients each week. And also, I want to relate to you that stories that my clients share with me, previous podcast guests have shared with me. So we are really going to take this whole coaching mindset and we are going to run with it. Okay. And if there are things, again, if there are things that you'd like to hear on future solo casts or things you'd like us to repeat or guests you'd like to have us uh, to have back on, please email me, ed at themolitorgroup.com. Okay. Until next time, keep doing great things. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there. Think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.